Well, that's exciting with all the teams that are headed off all over the world. And uh, while we're praying for them, please also, my wife and my daughter are going, so pray for me because I'm going to be left alone with three boys. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, We're talking about parenting. We've been in a series here talking about the phases of parenting and looking at these four different phases. We've also asked, hey, we need to, have we been having these four different conversations? And we started off with a conversation on health. And last week, Kent took us through a conversation on how to distribute and give our faith away to the next generation. And today we're going to talk about technology. Technology is one of those interesting conversations. Let's be honest, uh, in, in the world of technology, things are moving fast. They're moving rapid, and um, there's all these pressures as parents to be up on the latest thing and to give our kids the latest thing and to be involved in, in the technological world. And how we deal with that's important as it comes to these various phases. I know. For my family, technology is one of those interesting things that can show up and and bite you in the butt, in a sense, when you're not looking for it, too. Years ago, my son Jonathan was, I think he was around three or four, I don't know, somewhere back there, but he was little. And what was interesting is he had been given, at some point, some little bow and arrow. It was a little suction-cut bow and arrow, and he was really excited about it, and he'd run around, and he'd pull it and shoot it against the wall, probably shoot his brothers or something like that, and I don't know. But um, eventually, it broke, and all he would ever talk about was, I want another bow and arrow, want another bow and arrow, want another bow and arrow. And so my wife is a good mom. She kind of put it in the back of her mind or, and she kind of kept it alive and came around to Christmas time. And she'd been doing research. She's like, I think I've, I want to get a good bow and arrow for him that's not, you know, from the 99 cent store. And so that we're making sure that this thing is good and it's not going to break in like a, in a week. And so let's find one and, and let's look. So she did her research, started looking. She found one for about 20 bucks. She's like, it looks pretty sturdy. It looks pretty good. So she ordered it. And so I have still had the video of him opening this on Christmas morning. On one side was my son, Nate. He was opening up his first BB gun. He was all excited. And so, and then on the other side, my daughter's opening up stuff. And then he's tearing open this box. Now the box is plain. It's this normal old cardboard box. And we hadn't opened it yet because it was just easier to wrap the box. He pops it open finally after about two minutes of trying at it. And he pulls it out. And what he pulls out is this. A compound bow. Now this sucker is uh, is good for hunting. Well, not hunting for training hunters and stuff like that. And suddenly, what we realized was, here you go, three year old, have a deadly weapon. You know, it's kind of it was kind of fun. But uh, he was probably four or something. But still, we didn't know that it was a compound bow until we had opened it and saw that. And what's funny is like, oh, we need to teach Nate all about the the protocol with a BB gun so he doesn't shoot people. I'm like, we need to teach Jonathan the protocol of a deadly weapon because we don't want him to kill anybody. And so it was kind of one of those funny things where you realize sometimes the technology is is beyond what we give to our kids. And we don't think about it. But there have been cases where many of us have uh, just in the midst of all the coolness of the tech and all the wonder of it have turned around and not handed our kid a deadly weapon, but we handed him something else. And maybe it wasn't the right moment for this other device yet. Maybe it wasn't the right moment for these things. And technology, again, like I said, is one of those things that if you're ignorant about it, it can hurt you. Technology is not one of those things that you can be ignorant and be in bliss. It has now come to the point where technology is seeking you out, where technology is going to be on your refrigerator. It's going to be around every door in your home. It's going to be everywhere that you go, and you're just going to have to face the fact technology is here to stay, and we're going to deal with it. And technology is going to get more complicated. 
conversations of deep fakes that are out there are very fascinating because it's uh, the ability for two AIs to work on just a photo and different things. It's talking to a, a computer guy after first service. He's like, it's gotten to the point where they can literally make a video look so real, you, don't, you can't discern whether it's true or not. They've done it with Obama, making him do a speech he's never done. They did it with the Mona Lisa to where it's really talking to you and it looks like it's really talking to you. And so deep fakes and AI is one of these dangerous things you're beginning to wonder when it's going to start being used against certain people to start all kinds of political problems or to be used on your phone as a FaceTime and suddenly you're seeing your child stuck on the side of the road asking you for money and you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to give it to you. It's not them. And so these kind of aspects of AI and deep fakes are dangerous, or the idea of using uh, 23andMe, the idea you send it off and you send off your blood and you get it back and you got this long list of information about your DNA. And now the question is, well, who owns your DNA? You or do they? They did all the information finding, but is the information theirs or is it your private property? Because it's your DNA. And there's lots of legal debates going on now about the conversation, what that means. Because now, because of China, we have the advent of designer babies. The opportunity to use a device called CRISPR that will actually go in and work on the very genetic code and, and delete or add aspects to either enhance or change away from diseases and things like that. And it creates this sense of like, well, if they know about us, what can they do? How do these things fit together? Let alone, you may be training the last generation of children to drive their cars. It's a weird thought, especially when you consider what's coming within five to 10 years, they say it's very likely the auto revolution, the next big auto revolution, which self-driving cars will be found pretty much everywhere. You probably won't need to buy your own car anymore. It'll be on a Netflix kind of reel in which you're able to select the car you want for the week at a low price of whatever it is monthly. They take care of the headache of the car problems. They take care of the headache of the gas problems. And this thing drives you around. Now, some of you guys are going, no way, that's never coming, right? And yet this is the, some of the where the direction of the technology is pushing. And so our children are going to live in this world. This is the kind of stuff they're going to be facing. These are the kind of things that they're going to be looking at. And I guarantee it creates one feeling in the majority of people in the church, and that is typically fear. Moving technology often creates fear and calls us to be one thing, Amish. You want to just push it away. You want to say, well, it's going to stop here. We don't need any more. We have enough. And yet that isn't healthy. Our children do not need our fear of technology. Children need to know what our God has taught us about technology and is teaching us an imagination to have about technology for the sake of a greater thing. And so when we dive in today, what I want to do is give you guys an understanding biblically about technology so that we can address and train our children rightly about the technological future that they're walking into and already live in. And so we're going to begin with just a simple, simple thought, a simple fact that technology is actually a blessing from God. And some people may not feel that way. You may be like, no, it's not. It's horrible. It's wrong. It's evil. And yet here's the case. In the book of Genesis chapter one, way back at the beginning, there is a blessing that God gives. It's in verse 28. And he tells Adam and Eve after he's made them, he says, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so we see from this, hey guys, you're a human being. You're radically different than anything else. Don't let everybody tell you you're just like the animals. Last time I checked, I didn't see a chipmunk training a squirrel 
uh, training a, a mouse to jump through a hoop. Have you? We train giant whales to jump through things. We're capable of taking animals, and the dominion that we have is very clear. We've been able to train all kinds of animals and call them pets. Unless you have a cat, then you're its pet. That's the difference there. But when it comes to the second word, notice he uses a different term. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. This word actually means to take the earth under your control. Now, later, this word will be used in the terms of taking people under your power or other nations under your power, and it's very violent. In this case, it's simply take the earth under control. And guess what? Over the last 400 years, through observational science and through the examination of the laws of physics and all these things, we have come to a great control of the natural world, have we not? So much so we can board a plane and send missionaries all over the world. So much right now, we have groups of people who are watching this service at home through a video. What an opportunity that we have for so much good and so much blessing where people can see the beauty and the wonder of what technology can do for the sake of the gospel alone should be absorbed and thought about in the midst of all these things. And we need to, we need to remember this as a blessing. We need to see it as a blessing. And we need to see that technology and God's intention is good. James tells us this, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. If technology is a blessing and we have these technologies, God's looking at us like, I'm giving you a good gift to use here. I'm giving you something to, to engage with. But why do we get so scared about it? Why is this something that so many of us are so on edge sometimes when we start talking about technology? It's not the technology. Let's be honest. It's, it's actually us. Technology is neither good or evil, but it's our sin that makes technology a problem. And this is super important because we can't teach our kids that the button on your shirt is bad. And don't teach your kid that the, the nice cushiony chair is wrong as opposed to the nice hard wooden pew. No, the goal is to say we have good gifts and good technologies given to us by God. And what we need to realize is that it's us that are evil. It's the human heart, you and me, that is the problem when it comes to sin. It says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means our children need to see it's their heart that is going to bring about a problem with technology, not the technology itself. And this is critical because, guys, like I said, airplanes are awesome things. You climb aboard and you fly to where you need to go. But it was the human heart that turned the airplanes into missiles on 9-11. And suddenly entire towers are falling. It's interesting for me is my family, we just got back from, from D.C. And we got a chance to go to, go to D.C. on our vacation. Pretty, pretty amazing to go there. Last time I had been in D.C. was in the 90s. And before that, it was the 80s. And with school trips. And what was funny is I remember D.C. is like, you got to walk into the Capitol building, stand in the rotunda, and look around. And you kind of got a tour guide. And they took you around to places where you just walked into museums. Not anymore, man. You walk and stand in long lines waiting to open and avail your entire life and what's in your backpack and dump all your food and your water out. Because they don't want anything going in there since 9-11. There's all these security checks. Of course, they're looking for weapons and are looking for different things. And I'm sitting here thinking, you guys are looking for a knife and you're looking for a gun, but you never once told me to take all my bundle of pins out of, my, out of the front of my backpack. And I had a whole bunch of pins. And I've seen the Bourne identity multiple times, so I know how to use those suckers. Right? Anything's a weapon. As long as your heart is evil, there's a weapon. Everything in that building was a weapon. 
because we had humans in that building. And what's interesting is that when you look at technology, they had on display in the human evolution section um, a very interesting display of all these ancient art artifacts, art artifacts, like art pieces. I mean, this was technology. They took clay, burned it, and fired it, and created these little things that they were displaying. And all of them were pornographic because they were all idols of women. They're, they're Venuses, as they called them. And what's interesting is what do human beings do with the first time we can fire and burn things? Let's make something pornographic. That's the idea of a human heart. We've been sinful since the beginnings, since the fall of mankind. And so let's not think that the new technology is a new evil. Sure, maybe new ways to amplify the problem because that's really what technology does. It amplifies the human heart. Jesus would actually say in the book of, in the book of Luke, he, he would speak to this idea and he would say, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. So you got good treasure in your heart? Well, you're going to produce good that comes out of your heart. But then he goes on to say, the evil person out of the evil treasures produces evil. You store up evil stuff in your heart, you're going to produce evil out of your life. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so oftentimes what's coming out of your mouth, what you're displaying with your words and your actions as it would apply, shows what's in your heart. Technology only enables that even further. As we go from when we give an insult while we're driving our car to now we'll type every insult possible because it's so much easier to the point that we will troll people on Instagram and on social media and now we'll dox people on Instagram and social media. Drag up all the things they used to say and then shove it down there and shove it in the public view to shame human beings. Man, it gets so ugly, some of us want to get off of technology because it amplifies the problem of the human heart. And yet it can amplify the good of the human heart too. At the same time, you have tons of people who are starting new organizations and institutions, getting the word out, publishing truths and trying to talk about God, getting the gospel all over the place, standing for justice in ways that we've not seen in centuries because, guys, technology amplifies the good in the heart as much as the evil. And we need to understand that because there is this tension that exists with technology. And the way we need to train our children then is we need to train them to have self-control. They need to control themselves when it comes to technology because ultimately it's their heart they have to deal with. It's their heart they have to manage. And so in order to help them to get there, to, to learn some self-control, I think we need to start helping our kids see the purpose that God intended with technology. While it's a blessing and it's good and we're the mess, the purpose of technology is, is given to us clearly in 1 Corinthians. This, is, this comes down to simply this, that we, whatever we do, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Do you remember what our purpose for parenting was? What we said you need to frame it around, as Jesus talked about us, to love who? To love, we got this, we can say it, ready? To love God. Let's try it again. Love, say it out loud. Love, come on, he's our God. You can say it louder than that. Love, and love who else? People. I gotcha. Love God, love others. Love God, love others. Hey, you should write that down somewhere, right? And teach it to your children. When you walk by the way and when you rise in, oh, yeah, exactly. This is, the, this is Deuteronomy 6.4. This is the call to hear Israel, love the Lord your God, the heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Glorify God. Technology can be used to love God and love others. 
That's the purpose it's given to us for. It's the opportunity to turn around and take a television set and have it turned on for those who used to be called shut-ins. Now they sit in convalescent homes. And man, last time on our love week, we sat across from people who hadn't been to church in ages. And you know what? Through that camera and through one person's initiative, all you have to do is show up with your computer and the ability to plug into your Facebook and plug into your, to a screen that's large enough, invite people out and sing some hymns with some people who may be tone deaf and completely deaf and they will love the fact they got to have church because you show them an opportunity to hear a message and be a part of a community. But it takes imagination. I'm not fearing technology, but how do we harness it? How do we allow what God intended it for to explode forth in this world to the good of the glory of God? And when we're doing this, we begin to teach our children that this is not something you need to fear. This is something that should spark your imagination with what God is teaching us to love him and love, love others so that it becomes an impact to the world. So they can hear that their sins are forgiven through Jesus Christ, that they don't have to fight to get God to love them, that God already loved them. He bore their sins for them. He rose from the dead to give them what they needed. And we can get that message to the world. And so... We need to teach them there's a great vision, a great mission, and a purpose God has for technology, but it's also not something you have to fear. You can enjoy technology. As he tells the rich, uh, Paul tells the rich, he tells them, look, and the rich of the present age, charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on uncertainty of riches, but on God. So, you know, we're not supposed to lean on riches. Trust God. Once you got that down, realize this. God richly provides us with what? Everything to enjoy. That means technology is given to you to enjoy. You can enjoy watching that YouTube influencer. Sure, you can enjoy that, that show on Netflix as long as it's not causing you to sin. You can enjoy you know, that technology of that car and drive it really well or that motorcycle and really enjoy it. You can enjoy these technologies. They exist because God has blessed us with a good to enjoy. That's not a problem. We don't want to teach our children to hate technology and not want to enjoy it. But in our enjoyment, there needs to be some warnings. There needs to be some boundaries. And this is critical. And again, Paul will dive into this in another book. It's in 1 Corinthians. And so what we see is that he tells us this. All things are lawful for me. So yeah, it's good. We can enjoy technology, but not all things are helpful. You see, the Corinthians were in a situation. They were telling themselves, hey, I'm free from the law. I can do whatever I want. Paul's, and so they created this slogan. All things are lawful for me. All things are lawful for me. You can't do that. All things are lawful for me. Paul says, okay, well, fine. You want to go that way? All things are lawful for you, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved. I will not be dominated by anything. These are two powerful challenges for when we're enjoying something. To be warned and be careful. Is it unhelpful and is it dominating or is it something that is enslaving you? Well, you can dive in and enjoy the power of a video game. Man, video games are fun when you're little and they get a little bit more boring as you get older. But, you know, if you love video games, you can enjoy them for a while and enjoy them. But you know what? Sometimes they just get a little unhelpful when you probably should be out doing your chores when you probably should be, you know, getting some work done, when you should probably hang out with your family, they can be unhelpful. They can swallow up time. You know, you can enjoy these kind of, you can enjoy some social media, man. Wow, it's great to connect with people, to share what's going on in your life, to swap ideas. But it can be unhelpful when it starts to create jealousy. They got to go on that trip. I never get to go on a trip like that. 
they're so pretty. I'm not pretty like that. My photos are never as pretty as their photos. I'm not mocking. I'm just telling you the truth. See, when it starts to create jealousy, when it starts to create greed, when it starts to create loneliness, that's not helpful anymore. And we need to be willing to step back from it. You need to control the technology, not the technology control you. And that's the danger. I'm not going to let anything dominate me. I'm not going to be enslaved by anything, he says. I'm not going to allow a screen to enslave me. And yet here's the problem. They have shown that the second this thing goes ding, right? Or whatever that word, the whistle is, right? You're like, oh. Have you ever been in that room when that happens? Everybody's standing in a crowd and all of a sudden there's a ding. Everybody's like, oh, is that mine? Everybody pulls it out and looks. They've actually shown psychologically there's a dopamine kick when, there's, when your phone addresses or vibrates in your pocket. And it's addictive. It makes you feel good. Oh, somebody's talking to me. Oh, I'm wanted. Oh, somebody's there. And what happens is that productivity and businesses are dropping. People can't actually flip it over and put it away. And that they're so distracted, their mind is working on what's going on on their, on their phone at the same time as what's going on, on their, in their desk or their work. And it's creating distractions, creating all kinds of issues. They're saying, you need to put it on, you know, do not disturb and put it in your locker, put it away from you so you can get focused. And so there's this reality that for many of us, screens are addictive. Did you realize that those who build these things, the moguls and the tech giants of Silicon Valley don't let their children have them. There have been multiple articles writing about the fact they won't let their kids have a, have a phone or any kind of screen until they're like 14. And they make these things. They say, why not? They say, we know how much money we're investing in making them addictive. If the guys who are designing this are saying they won't do it, you know, here you go, three-year-old, right? <laughs> we need to be careful. We won't let anything dominate us. Don't let anything enslave you. Christ is your Lord. Let alone the dominating content that is showing up so often from pornography to predators that are willing to find your children. They don't have to go stumble on it anymore. They'll seek them out. Whether it's on a video game, pretend to be a cute little girl talking to your little boy. He's a really big fat guy sitting at home playing. (laughs) And he's just sick in the head trying to get these kids so he can get photos of them. Oh, I've heard some horribly evil stories from those of us who work in that department in, in our church. And trust me, they're out there and they're ready. And they know where your kids are playing. And we need to be ready. But I'm not here to scare you to death. I'm here to wake you as parents to say that not our kids. We have an opportunity to take technology and make it something powerful for the future, not something that is frightening us to death. And so let's step into this and let's lead our children to be self-controlled, to understand that when they become adults, they're ready to use it rightly. And so we want to lead them into the self-control. How do we do that? Well, you got to lead them to the Lord. I mean, if you're an adult, you know, longer and longer you live, that when temptation comes, your self-control is oftentimes at its weakest. Amen? And it's often that we realize, I can resist once. Maybe I can resist twice. But man, your resistance becomes dissolved after a while. Unless you have one thing. It is powerful when you've been in the word of God. When you've been connected with God. And you've been praising him. You've been at church. You've been around your small group. You've been in accountability. When you've been praying. And when you've been connecting with God in service. However you meet with God. When you're humming and you're thinking about God through your day. Man, your self-control is through the roof, isn't it? That temptation just bounces off of you because guess what? God gives you what you need. 
In fact, what it says in the book of Galatians, when Paul is writing to the church in Galatia, he says, the fruit of the spirit, what God produces in your life is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. All these things we should do with our technology. We should use technology to enhance. God produces this in us. And he also produces the last one, self-control. Man, control of myself comes from God, not from me. That's weird. And I'm a little bummed it's self-control on that list. I always wanted it to be other control. You know what I'm saying? Mind control, that'd be great. Especially as a parent, turn that off. Go do your chores and go home. Yes, dad. Oh, I love that fruit of the spirit. You know, it's not, it's control. I would love to be able to tell my kids, they always say, what, you, what, what superpower would you want, dad? I said, my superpower is to tell you guys what to do and you do it. That's my superpower. That's what I'd love to have. And the bottom line is, I would love the superpower to tell myself what to do and to do it. And that's called self-control. And God gives that to us when we're present with him and we're connected with him through Jesus Christ. And, is, and that's what we as parents need to give to our children because they have got to manage this technology on their own as adults. And the only way they're going to have the self-control to do so is by walking in the presence of God and in his power. And so our job as parents is going to be to model self-control with technology and talk about technology through these phases. And so we're going to go quickly through these phases. We're not going to detail a lot. If you would like more information on the kind of things that you need to learn about technology, there are resources at our resource center. We have a resource center? Yeah, we have a resource center. Commercial time, ready? Um, when you go out this door in our lobby, there is a grate on the wall as you're headed over towards the bathrooms. And that grate has a bunch of books on it. Those aren't there just as pretty to make it look like we're intellectual. That's actually our resource center. You're like, how is it a resource center? What's cool is you pull it off, you flip it around, there's a QR code, praise God for technology, and you can take your phone and hold it over that, it will automatically take you to Amazon, and we have an Amazon Smile account for the church, which means if you order through Amazon Smile and you've connected with the church, they give a small percentage of whatever you buy over time to help kind of fund what we're doing, and so it's an awesome opportunity for you guys to fund the church through buying stuff, and so it's kind of like... That's cool. But what you can do is we have a set of books out there on parenting and with technology and all that kind of stuff. You can grab that, flip it around, look at it, and it'll take you to Amazon. This way, we don't have to supply, hold all the books here, but they hold the books for us. They'll deliver the book to your house, and you have access to that book. And so there's plenty of resources as we go, and I don't want to make you guys think that we're going to cover everything. There's just no way. There's way too much technology. But I've given you guys kind of the framework. Now, how do we deal with it at the different levels? And our first phase, again, is birth to preschool. At this phase, let's be honest. This is simply model, model, model. Model by using it for growth and sharing. Use it to learn about your children. Use it to learn about parenting. Use it to talk about your kids and share it in a private group with your family members. And making sure that those who are far away from you get to, get to experience that, that kid of yours with everybody else. This is really powerful and good technology for families who are spread all over the United States, isn't it? What an awesome opportunity to stay connected with your families. We should praise God for that. And at this age, it can help you at this phase, it can help you keep your relationship close with God because you can use, you know, YouTube apps and research stuff in your Bible and prayer apps that help you just kind of keep praying for them. Use the technology for the good, to love God and love others because they're watching and they're going to learn. But the critical key in this phase and in the next one is safety. I mean, this is safety, safety, safety. This whole world is out to get kids as early as they can. 
whether it's with pornography or predators or to steal information, you name it. Safety is the key, and it's about setting boundaries. In fact, I believe at this phase, this earliest phase, it's a prayer time between you, your spouse, and God on whether technology should even be a part of your kid's life. I mean, I know there, it's so easy, man. My parents, what did we do? We'd come home, they'd turn the TV on. We'd be like, <laughs> insta-babysitter, right? It's so simple. I know to calm a kid down, it's so much easier just to put the screen in front of them. Watch this guy open an egg. What's inside the surprise egg? Oh, man, it's like watching paint dry on a wall, isn't it? Kids are like, oh. They're like, crack cocaine. It's amazing. That just shows you the power of the screen. And really, it's a great question. Is this appropriate? Is this really healthy for training our kids? Is this what we want to be teaching them? Something for you to pray about. If you are engaging in technology at that level, really help them see the good. Let it teach them about the world. Look, it's a picture of a lion. And listen to what they say. Roar, you know. And that's a little older. Obviously, I think you need to kind of delay some of that until they're engaging in that preschool level. They're going to get to it. But really, the aim is safety. Don't, get them, don't just give it to them and run around. They may pound and mash buttons and stuff stuff and mess things up. I heard of one kid who actually locked his dad's iPad for, I think it's several thousand or several or 47 years or something like that, because he's just mashing the buttons on the front. And so there you go. That's kind of interesting. Have fun. Don't hand your kid technology and just leave him go. Safety. You're the parent. Guide. You know, you don't just hand your kid a knife. You don't just hand him a deadly weapon. Have fun. Figure it out. Shoot something. (laughs) Same thing goes with technology. And so this, this level is pretty easy. You model. But then you move quickly into elementary school. They're going uh, to run into technology. Elementary schools use technology. It's, an, it's a technological engagement. They're trying to get them literate in technology. And so this is the time for you to really begin to engage by, model, by modeling by knowing the technology. Time's up. No more resistance. You can't keep yourself back. You need to know your technology. Your little guy who's going to become a bigger guy or your little girl is going to become a bigger girl, she or he is going to want to play that game. They're going to want to have that app. They're going to want to talk to their friends. There's going to be all of these desires and you need to understand the technology. Do you know how to turn a safe search on? Do you know how to put a parental notification system on there so you know what's being looked at? Do you know how to block websites? Do you know how to use your device? And I'm talking not just your phone, I'm talking the Xbox, the Wii, these other things, these video games that all have portals to the world built into them, including handheld video gaming devices. Know your technology. You can't just hand it thinking, I got this. You've got to know it. You've got to understand how it works because you need to be the parent. And you need to know how to run that device. And so it's important. Knowledge is critical at this level because safety is the key. You're trying to keep your kid away from the evils that can destroy them as long as possible. They will encounter it. It's just a matter of when. And we want to keep it back as long as possible. And so the next one is to model your own boundaries. Not only knowledge the knowledge or model the knowledge, know your own boundaries. Adult, you do have boundaries, right? We should all have boundaries with our technology. I mean, maybe the boundary is that you just don't have it at dinner. We're trying this one out. We're we're always working at it. And sometimes we're failing. Sometimes those screens show up at the dinner table. And we're just like, nope, keep them away. This is time for us to talk. This is not time for those screens to be there. We don't always make it work. 
But how about another boundary? We, we always, I, you know, we've been, we've been told, hey, don't let your kids walk away and lock their door and shut their door with the screen in the room. Another one is, why do we let, te- why do we, why do we let these things in bathrooms? What if I told you today at church right now, while your kids are using bathrooms or everybody else, there are going to be well over a dozen cameras that may or may not be on in the bathroom at any time. And yet when people bring one of these in, they bring a high-powered camera into a bathroom. We don't think about that. But people who are evil do. Why did I think about that? Because people who are evil do. <laughs> and the point is that what we need to be careful, we need to not just accept the Dutch's there and why nobody would ever do that. No, we want to caution them. Hey, you ever see anybody with their phone out in a bathroom? Don't go in there. You know, these are conversations that we need to be having with our children. We need to be having these limits in our home. We don't take those in the bathroom. We don't take those in those rooms. These stay in public spaces. These are the kind of conversations that we need to have with boundaries for ourselves, and we need to model those at night. It's like a weapon. There's a whole process to training your children in how to use a firearm. From them seeing it and not being able to touch it to them being able to touch it and clean it right, but knowing the weapon and it's dangerous. And then there's how you use it and where you point it, where you don't point it, when you use it, when you don't. You go to a fire range, you only do that. There's this whole process been trained for people to understand how to use weaponry. You just don't hand a kid a gun and we'll figure it out. We don't do that with technology of any kind. You don't just invite the kid in, chop this up with a knife in your home. Nope, you go, yeah, you're too young to use a knife. Then we use a kid knife. Then I show you a real knife. Oh, use the stove anytime you want. All of this stuff has its boundaries. Know the boundaries. Hold the boundaries. And continue to keep your kids safe and engage. And this is time to engage. This is where you start playing the video game. This is where you start, yeah, learning Minecraft and learning how to engage with Lego World, whatever it is that your kids are into, you play that game. And you need to, you need to understand screen times. Um, they, the moguls use them, you should use them. Kids hate them, but they're important. You know, only so much time on the screen lets them know there's other things to do in life. This may be the time that you consider a screen fast and set it into your goal where every quarter you do a week or two weeks of no entertainment on the screen. No, we're not going to watch movies. We're not going to play video games. We're just going to sit. We're not going to get on social media. We're just going to be humans. We do this in our house, and it's weird. They go from zombies to children within a week. It's amazing. They're like, there's a basketball, and you can play with it. This is amazing. Who are you? I'm your brother. No way. It's like, it's awesome. <laughs> we, adding these things in helps that domination, not control. Um, another thing, at this age, read, read, read about video games and movies. Um, M, by the way, is M. What M means is mature. It's a video game rating. And by the way, this isn't the church's rating for M. This is the world's rating for M. This is what they think only an 18-year-old should be looking at. The world. Not the church. R and PG-13 is what the world thinks R and PG-13 is. Not the church. Man, I've watched some PG-13 movies. I'm going, I don't want my 13-year-old watching that. And we need to take serious those rating systems. And you need to know the websites that that are out there, and there are plenty of them that will give you reviews about what's on the game. What's the sexual content? What's the violence content? What's the amount of time that's going to be required of your child to even play this game? Because some games, like an RPG, a role-playing game, will take several hours to get anywhere. Other games, like little shoot-em-up games, will maybe take you three minutes to play around. 
How much investment are you asking your child to give to a video game? And then what's their access in conversation with other people on the game? Because you can open up an access to where your children are listening to all kinds of fun profanity with their headphones on, talking to people that they should never be talking to. And so you need to know those three questions about a video game. You need to understand your movies. And hey, it's hard, but you need to pray through if those standards are going to be just for your first kid or for all your kids. Because let's all be honest, they change as your first kid goes through things, don't they? Suddenly what was bad for the first one, it's not so bad for the third one. And so we need to ask, is, what does that mean about our integrity of these lines? And so this is all important because it affects each other. Because you're going to have kids, we're all going to pick different boundaries and it's going to have an effect. But we need to have these conversations and think through these things and engage these levels. And you need to keep permission. I would advise always the computer is in a public setting. At any time they're using kind of search engines, they're doing it with a family member. And they're doing it in a public site because mistyped words, which most children don't know how to spell, wind up being used by pornographers and others to capture children. And so you need to know what's your son typing in that box? What's your daughter putting in that little cube? Technology is about engagement at this level. Safety and engagement. And then help them discover the good. It's not all evil. Let them learn how to pray for their friend over a text message. Have them use the phone to call their friend, to invite them over to hang out, to spend the night and to do something. Allow them to know how to rightly shut off aspects of the game or why you're going to do that. Have them learn these things, discover the good. And then like my son, Jonathan, who loves to use the technology right now to learn art. Man, he's all over those YouTube things and he's learning how to shade. And it's amazing what he's producing just from watching people. That's a good Introduce them to good apps about the Bible and these kind of things. This all begins to help guide. Now, by this point, you're going to be moving into middle school. At this side, it's all safety. At this side, it's beginning to set them free. Here, we're beginning again to affirm their journey. We're, we're walking with them. And here, we want to help them discover, uh, really, they want to hear the boundaries and use of technology. You need to invite them into your boundaries. This is how you model now. You're going to say, hey, come on in. This is my boundaries. Here's why I have boundaries. I have boundaries. I mean, I have a certain, I have things on my computer and on my phone. I have accountability software. My wife has the codes and that kind of stuff. And it's important because of the boundaries that we've set as a family. Now try to explain that to my kids. They're like, what? But now that they're getting older, they go, oh, we get it. Because they need the boundaries too. And we've all accepted the boundaries together. Suddenly it helps us all move forward in the same direction. And I can explain that and we can walk through that. And then I allow them to help make their own good boundaries. One of my sons came to me and he's like, I, wanna, I, I don't want to struggle with this, with this gaming device. And so we talked it through and he came up with his own punishment and his own boundaries. And the other day he walked into my room and he said, here. I'm like, what's this? He's like, I was sneaking it. I'm like, you told on yourself? That's awesome. And I don't know what he thought I was going to do. I'm like, okay, thanks. We set it aside. You, you, know, you know the boundaries. You lost it for the rest of the week. He's like, yeah, I'm like, and, and so, and, I'm, and the next morning he, he got up and he did his other part that he had invented, which is I have to work an hour on the hill and pull weeds. And he went right out there and he started working on the hill for, and pulled weeds for an hour. I'm going, I'm a parenting genius. <laughs> no, it was, just, it was just one of those good moments. That was amazing. But help them form the boundaries. They own the boundaries then. They agreed to the boundaries. And so allow them to begin to end that process. Second is really decide, do you phone or not phone? Do you iPhone or not iPhone? In some cases, a flip phone may be the best thing for them. Remember flip phones? You remember these things? You're like, 
that's a dumb phone. Yes, this is a dumb phone. What's great about some dumb phones is they don't have internet access. They just do this thing called phone calls. It's really interesting and texting. And um, if you can get one that doesn't have internet access, they're valuable at certain levels. I know I've watched a pastor praise his uh, high school youth group. That, uh, there was an accountability group of guys who came to the realization they couldn't handle their iPhones. And so they turned them all in as a group and all bought flip phones as an effort to keep themselves accountable about pornography. I mean, what an incredible act of accountability and maturity. These were guys who understood technology. And so when they want to be able to help them do that, we need to know the trends. I want to give you an information it's called AXIS. And AXIS is a website, A-X-I-S. I believe it's .org. And it's a group of people that help parents keep up on the latest youth trends. They'll give you an alert through your emails. They'll tell you, hey, this song came out. Here's what the buzz is out there on YouTube. Just so you know. And here's some questions you can use to talk at your dinner table or on your drive on the way. And AXIS.org is a great trend. Finally, be a safe place when your kids fail so that they know to come to you. And then you can say, look, I've, I've messed up as well. I, I've had struggles as well. And so you can affirm the journey that you've been through too. Finally, ask them how they would want to use it for good. Let them be creative with it. Let them begin to discover, you know, I want to use it to, I want to use it to do a GoFundMe for this. I want to use it to start a business. I want to use it to, to talk about my life as a pastor's kid. And maybe people will feel pity on me or something. So, you know, however that is, use it for the good. And help them come up with some ideas how to do that, whether it's writing their stories and producing them. Finally, you get to high school. And high school, honestly, just like the earlier, this is a totally different world. You've now moved to where by the end of high school, by the time they are 17, your goal is that they would be completely free with their technology in your house. And what I mean by that is that they are able to engage with the technology. They know how to turn on the search. They know how to get themselves their own accountability. And so you model accountability by letting them challenge you. Do you realize a car is a technology? How are you doing at training your kids in your car? I mean, if you're driving behind somebody and tailgating them, what do you think they think? How are they going to drive? If you're sitting there going, you're driving too fast. Why are you always complaining to everybody? Because you do? Oh. You know, think about how you're modeling your technology. Think of how you're modeling these situations. It's one of the reasons I don't put a sticker on the back of my car from the church. Just make sure that doesn't, uh, doesn't have a problem. But we want to look through this. We want to examine and model our accountability. Give them a voice. If they see something that you're doing, you've got your phone over there. You go, you're right. I shouldn't. You know, be honest about it. We're all working through this technology together. And then finally, ask them just thoughtful questions. Ask them thoughtful questions. Hey, how is that technology affecting your friends, do you think? Hey, what do you think about this game? Do you think it's really appropriate at, at, at your age? Or what, what do you think about, and what you're doing is you're engaging them to think through the process. You're helping them discover. And, when, and, and so when they fail and when they start running into things, they're doing it at home and they're not doing it off in college somewhere. Or suddenly they don't know what to say anymore. They all their friends are affirming them. And they're like, it's okay. Now they're here and you're like, no, that's not where we go. And here's why. And let's talk about that. Maybe you should pay for it instead of me all the time. You know, that kind of stuff. You're giving them responsibility. And as you pass it on, you're empowering them to have an imagination that's prepared for the future. Technology is powerful. And in a lot of things, there's a lot to be afraid of. But if we can walk them through an education to be trained in technology in the various phases, by the time they're ready to go into this world, guys, we have shown them how to use it for the glory of God, to love him and to love others. Suddenly, they become the ones who stand against the evil 
that's found in technology in order to flip it and use it for the good, for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of the mission, for the sake of loving other people, for the sake of doing greater things as they will have a greater opportunity than even we do with the technology that we have. What an opportunity that we have with our kids to lead them and to show them the powerful vision that God has by giving us this blessing of technology. What I wanna pray for is pray over you guys that he would indeed do that through us. Would you bow your heads with me? As your heads are bowed, just for a minute, I wanna give you a chance to just release up to God maybe some of your own fear that you have. Or maybe you just are, you're scared to death of technology or maybe, maybe you just realize you lack some self-control in technology and you need to ask God for that today. Maybe you need wisdom in the technology and how to train your kids and so you're asking him, hey God, right now, would you please, please give me that? Father, right now, you hear our hearts. You see our needs, whether it's wisdom, self-control, or God, ultimately, whether it's a fear that's overcome us. We thank you that you are our God who is with us, that you have poured into our lives. God, that you make us brave so that we don't have to fear, so that we can have the self-control that comes from you, so that we can have the opportunity to really give to our children that leg up in a world that is gonna be so technologically advanced. God, may we have the wisdom to teach them well. Thank you that you are our God, that you don't lock us into some ancient scenario of the past, but you give us the opportunity to use every good thing you've given to us for the sake of your kingdom. We ask that we would, in Jesus' name, amen.